Today, we're in the final passage in our Book of Acts series. Can you believe it, y'all? Two years in the Book of Acts. I was reading over the manuscript um, last night, yesterday, from the first message. It was Easter Sunday, 2023, and you heard it in the little bumper video. I started by saying, we're gonna start a long series. And honestly, it's, it's crazy for me and my perspective as the preacher, you know, and I write the bulk of these sermons and, and I definitely oversee the entire series. But to start a series that long, two years has come and gone and we're coming to the end. We're in the last passage of the book of Acts today. And uh, I've titled the message, it's the last part of Acts 28. Since you brought a Bible, go ahead and turn with me there. But I'm, I've titled the message, Walking with God Through the Very End. And we end the book of Acts really not with the Acts of the Apostles, but now we're, we've kind of closed out with the end of the Acts of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> it's turned to Luke's talk, talking about him and, and what he's done uh, towards the end of his ministry. We're at the final portion of the book of Acts. Next week will be somewhat of a recap series and some funny moments, some serious moments, and some big takeaways from the book of Acts. But we're finally at the end, the finale, if you will, and it ends in a way that may surprise you if you've not read ahead. But let me just ask, how many of you enjoy series finales, TV shows, season finales, right? Or, or movie finales, like, good Lord, is this the last John Wick movie that's coming out? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm, wow, that was a nerve. Okay, let's talk about Paul the Apostle instead of John Wick, all right. Uh, like, some, some series finales, like, you want to end, you're just waiting, like, they're terrible, right? Like the finale of Seinfeld was awful. It's had tons of negative reviews or lost. You ever watch a finale that it just, they wake up and it's all been a dream? That is such a letdown. You know what I'm talking about? Some finales are amazing and some shows are amazing and you never want them to end like The Office. Come on, Jesus. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Best character ever on television was Michael Scott played by Steve Carell. Uh, after that, the show fell apart. But in the final episode, of season nine of The Office, Andy Bernard, who actually became my least favorite character, um, he has this statement that he says at the finale of his show, of the show, he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've left the good old days. You ever look back on parts of your life and you're like, man, those were the greatest days. Those were the, those were the good times, but you didn't appreciate it in the moment. You didn't appreciate it till later. I want you to hear that quote again. He said, I wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. What a great thought. What, a, what, a, what an intriguing way to think and live. And I wanna challenge you with something. You are living in days today that one day you'll want to remember fondly. One day you'll want to remember these as good old days. So what if we would live today like we're trying to build some good old days for the future to reflect on. Like we would live our marriage in a way that's like, man, these are days I wanna cherish forever or, or my parenting or my days at work. What about living our life fully devoted to the Lord so that we don't have to look back and say, man, I wasted 2021, 2022, 2023 with the Lord. But instead we would say, man, those are great days and I relished every moment of them. Don't let the days you're living in be days that you would regret one day. Don't let the life you're living today become a day, a life that you would one day wish, man, if I could go back again, I would live it differently. I've done a lot of funerals in my life as a pastor. And I've walked with people through the end of their lives many times as a pastor. And I've, I've rarely met anyone who said, I lived it all to the fullest. I would never go. I've always heard people say, man, I wish I could have done my marriage different. I wish I would have raised my kids differently. I wish I would have served, the, I wish I would have prayed more. 
So what if we would take just that simple statement and reflect at the end of the Apostle Paul's life and see how he, I believe, lived with that kind of attitude? See, this is, uh, this is the way we see the Apostle Paul ending in the book of Acts. We actually don't see him die here. So let me just be clear, this isn't the death of Paul. Sometimes season, you know, most series finales don't end with just killing off everybody, right? You just have this idea that they go on into some new future or, or living happily ever after. But Luke's final writing in the book of Acts is really about the end of the, of the ministry of the apostle Paul that we see from him. We don't see another narrative tale of Paul's ministry and his life and leadership. But no matter what Paul has been doing, he's gonna live his life with intentionality and faithfulness to God until the very end. And you're gonna see the very last two verses of the book of Acts show Paul living faithfully to God no matter what. Paul has no quit in him. Paul has no pullback in him. Paul has no retirement from serving the Lord. I actually don't understand retirement uh, in my field. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I understand retiring from train or retiring from the army, I get that. But you never retire from purpose with God. You never retire from serving Jesus. You never cash it in and say, okay, Lord, I gave you 50 good years. I'm gonna go do whatever I want for these last 10. And God's like, no problem, bro. You're all, you know, like there's no retiring from the purpose of God on our lives. And the end of the book of Acts, again, is not the end of his life, but it's the end of his story as told by Luke. So let me just ask you these kind of challenging questions. What are we doing to build our life now so that we'll be able to last until the end with Jesus? What are we doing? What are we believing? What disciplines are we embodying and putting into place that will help ensure that we walk with God all the way to the finish line? I don't know about you, but I wanna finish well with God. I wanna finish well in a lot of character categories. I, I wanna finish well in my marriage. I wanna finish well in my parenting. I wanna finish well in my career. But more than anything in this world, I wanna finish well with Jesus. But you can't get to that stage and go back with regret if you'll start with going, I'm living in the good old days now and I wanna build my life that way. Paul shows us some things in this final passage of Acts that I believe will help us have a great finale in our latter years. If we can follow the model and the attitude and the attributes of the Apostle Paul, he's given us so much to glean from his life, but in the final chapter in the book of Acts, we learned some valuable takeaways from his life and love for Jesus. If you remember his backstory quickly, I'll say it. He was called by God to serve the Lord. He was called by God to follow Jesus. He was called to be a church planter and a passionate preacher and teacher of the gospel. And then came the persecution. He was arrested many times, physically beaten a bunch, betrayed by those closest to him. And most recently in the book of Acts, we've seen he's been a prisoner for now close to three years for a crime he's never committed. He's been held against his will for reasons that he should have never been held in prison. And while we see in Paul a lot of great attributes at the end of Acts, it's now his third year of being held captive as a prisoner and he finally gets to Rome. He was imprisoned in Jerusalem, taken to Caesarea, held for two years against his will. Then another year it takes him to get from Caesarea to Rome and in the process of that, he's bit by a snake, he's shipwrecked in the middle of the sea, he lands in a place in Malta. I mean, his life has just been hard. And one of the first things that we notice from Paul in order to walk with God through the very end is he's faithful to God, listen to me, even when it's not fair. Man, we live in such a fairness culture right now, don't we? We want everything equitable. We want everything the same, everything fair. Fairness is a dead and broken concept. 
It doesn't make sense. Why did you get a diagnosis, but your brother didn't? Why did your spouse walk out on you, but your neighbor's spouse didn't, and he's a way bigger jerk than your husband? Why? It's not fair. Life isn't fair. We have a real devil, and we got real devilish people in this world, and it's hard. And there are parts of our life that just aren't fair, but that doesn't give us a pass for being faithful to God. The apostle Paul in verse 17, it tells us in Acts 28, now after three years of imprisonment, right? Now he's finally getting close to Rome. And it says at Rome, after three days, he ends up calling the local leaders of the Jews together. And when they had gathered, he says to them, now you gotta remember Paul's history. Every time he meets with the Jewish leaders, they beat the fire out of him and they throw him in prison and they try to kill him. So Paul calls a meeting with the same people. I don't know if he's dense or what. You know what I'm talking about? But it's a new crowd of Jewish leaders. Now watch this. So when he gets to Rome, after three days, he calls together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he says to them, brothers, calling them family, right? Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people, I'd done nothing against the customs of our fathers. I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wanted the Romans, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. I just want you to see this on the front end here, first of all. Paul has been held against his will for multiple years. No reason he should have had any of this happen to him. He was well-respected and loved for years for all the good he had done, the churches he had started, the sons in the faith he had discipled, and then this terrible persecution and prison sentence, the beginning of unfair life for Paul. Anybody feel like your life was going along pretty well and then all of a sudden, it's like, where did this come from? Where'd that diagnosis come from? Where, wh- why did everyone in my company turn against me? How did my family member abandon me? Why did my spouse leave after 25 years of marriage? Paul had a life of favor and good things going and he was successful with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a perpetual prisoner for things he'd never done. Now, Paul starts his meeting with his brothers in faith because remember, he's a Jewish man. He said, brothers, I've done nothing against our people, nothing against our customs. I've been held in prison from Jerusalem into the hands of Romans. When they examined me, the Romans wished to set me free because there's no reason for the death penalty. Man, this life is just terrible. It's not fair. Should have never happened. Well, watch this. The Romans wanted to set me free because there was no reason for the death penalty. But because the Jews objected, you know the Jewish brothers are listening now, like what? Because the Jews objected, I've compelled to appeal my case to Caesar. Even though I had no charge to bring even against my own nation. Paul's saying, look, I'm not even mad at y'all for this at our people, but I'm here in Rome to, to appeal to Caesar because my own people turned against. Have you ever known church folks to do your own? Not at this church, praise the Lord. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my own nation. Now watch this, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak to you now remember Paul, man, every time he meets with Jewish leaders, it goes bad. And now he's in Rome saying, okay, I'm ready to meet with the Jewish leaders again. He took a three-day sabbatical before he met with them. I don't know if you caught that. After three days, verse 17, I'm sure he was in prayer and much fasting. But he goes, I've been mistreated. 
I've been held against my will. I've been found not guilty. I wouldn't be set free, so I appealed to Caesar. But after all of that, that's why we have the word therefore. After all of that, for this reason, I've asked to see you, watch this, and to speak with you since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm even in these chains. Look what Paul is saying here, it's brilliant. He was so committed to the salvation of his people. He's saying, I've been through hell for the last three years. I'm still sitting here in chains right now, but now it has a purpose because I'm talking to you guys. Now it has a reason because I'm looking at you and I'm gonna meet with you and I'm gonna talk to you about the Lord. Even though it cost Paul dearly, it was seriously not fair how he was being treated. He had done nothing wrong, was found not guilty over and over again by the Romans and the Jews wanted to hold him. He was held against his will. He had no reason that made sense for him to go through what he had gone through the past few years of brutal treatment and imprisonment. But all of a sudden, because Paul wanted to survive to the end, he found a reason. He says, for this reason, this audience, the reason I'm in front of you now, you're the reason that I can find hope in what was otherwise hopelessness for my life. You're the reason God has opened doors for me to share the gospel with you, even though prison doors have been closed on me for three years. Paul didn't allow the unfairness of his situation to keep him from being faithful to what God had asked him to do. He was faithful to God when life wasn't faithful to him. He was faithful to Jesus when other people weren't faithful to him. Some of you have struggled with God because you believe you've been dealt a bad hand. You believe, what's the point? Because your situation was harder than others. Your life was painful. Your feelings didn't match your faith. Listen, God hasn't caused you the pain that he's allowed you to walk through. God didn't cause Paul the pain to be in jail all those years, but he allowed it. Why? For this reason. Listen, God didn't cause you to, to go through this even though he's allowed you to walk through this. We have a real devil who hates us and there are real people who cause us pain that just isn't fair. Some of us have thrown our hands up to God and we've gone, it's not fair what's happened to me. It's not fair what's happened to any of us. That doesn't give us an excuse to turn our back on faithfulness to God. If we're gonna walk with God through the very end, we have to walk on the peaks of the mountains and the valleys at the bottom. It's through to the very end, we have to embrace an attitude that says, I'm gonna be faithful to God no matter what, even when what I'm going through doesn't seem fair. As long as we live in a broken world with sin, life won't be fair. I'll never forget the prayer I prayed to God when we miscarried our third pregnancy. I was pastoring this church about to rename it. The next, it was on a Saturday evening and on Sunday, I'm announcing the name change to LifePoint Church and we're gonna relaunch our church and we're moving forward. And that Saturday night, I'm in the hospital with my wife miscarrying our third pregnancy. And I remember privately with the Lord going, man, I'm working so hard for you, what's up with this? But the pain of this broken world does not excuse me from being faithful to my assignment for God to follow God, to be faithful to Jesus. Listen, how you feel should not determine your faithfulness to God. Well, I don't feel like this, I don't understand it, what's the point? Life's been hard for me. Listen, it's not fair for anybody. But even if my situation isn't right, even if people treat me badly, which has happened time and time again, even if Christian people don't treat me like Christian people should treat me, even if sickness or pain comes upon me or I'm thrown into prison, wrongfully accused, we should determine I'm gonna be faithful to God 
no matter what. Paul's attitude was even if it's hard, even if it's unfair, if I get snake bit, shipwrecked, thrown into prison, for this reason, I'll endure it to make much of Jesus. Paul found his imprisonment in Rome as a reason to meet with Jewish leaders he'd never met with to tell them about Christ. He didn't appeal to these Jewish leaders to say, hey, would you send a letter back to Jerusalem to clear my name? He didn't appeal to these Jewish leaders to go, can you get me out of this Roman prison? Can you bypass my sentencing? He looked at these Roman leaders and said, for this reason I've come to talk to you about Jesus. I don't know about you, but if we would have an attitude that says, no matter what comes my way, I'll be faithful to God, it will allow us to walk with God through the very end. Some of us won't make it to the end of our lives with Jesus because we've decided if God, if the world's not fair, God's not fair. That's not true. You can be faithful to God when our world is screwed up. So what's the for this reason that'll help you move along and be faithful to God? Maybe it's the loss of a husband or a wife. Maybe it's the painful divorce and you go, what's the reason for this divorce? And, and God would say, I'm gonna use that to help you mentor young couples or single people on how to walk in sexual integrity and purity in their marriage. Maybe the health issue you're facing that hasn't been healed yet is because for this reason, God's gonna build you as a person of prayer and use you to lay hands on others to be healed, even if God, if you're waiting on God to heal you. Paul bore a thorn in the flesh. Paul bore uh, health issues, yet God miraculously used him to heal other people. Maybe the for this reason is not for your comfort, but for the comfort of other people. If we would have a decided heart to say, man, no matter what happens to me, I'm gonna be faithful to God, then we will walk with God through the very end. Are you hearing me today? Here we have the end of Paul's story in the book of Acts, and he's still deciding to be faithful to God. So look at this. He goes, for this reason, I've asked to see you and to speak with you. Not to appeal my case to the Jewish leaders, not to prove that I'm innocent and I've been dealt a bad hand, not to make it about me at all. Watch what he does. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak with you because it's because of the hope of Israel, the salvation of our people that I'm wearing this chain. And then he goes, this response is amazing. So they said to him, uh, we've received no letters about you from Judea and none of the brothers come here, coming here have even reported or spoken any evil about you. You know Paul's mind is blown right now. What? You guys don't even know what they're saying about me? Because everywhere else he's gone, the letters went ahead of him or the, the skeptics went ahead of them trying to have him killed. He gets to Rome and the Jewish leaders are like, we don't even know anything about your story. What, who are you? After the last three years of hell on earth, Paul's got a fresh audience to tell about. Gee, how great is our God? It's like with Elijah, when he had endured the, four, the 450 prophets of Baal and Asherah, and he's running for his life, and he's trying to escape Jezebel, and she's threatening to have him killed, and Elijah's crying out. He's like, God, just kill me now. There's nobody in Israel that's serving you, and the Lord speaks to him. He goes, no, I got thousands of people in this other city around the mountain. You just need to hang with me, and then I'll bring you there. Hey, guys, listen, be faithful to God. He will be faithful to you. Paul gets an audience with people that didn't know he was a bad guy. Could you imagine if he started the meeting with just kicking teeth in? For this reason, I've called you, pow, 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 on behalf of all the pain that I've lived with. And some of us treat everybody that way. And we treat God that way. And we go, my life's been hard, so I'm gonna make your life hard before I ever give you a chance. They said, we've got no letters about you. No one's come 
reporting anything spoken evil about you. And then look what they said. But we desire to hear from you. What are your views? For with regard to this sect, this Christian sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So they've heard about Christianity or the way of Christ. They don't know anything about him. And so when they had appointed a day, they put it on the calendar. They came to him at his lodging in great, his prison, y'all. Hey, what are y'all doing today? Well, we're going down to the jail to meet with this dude because we want to hear what he has to say. Who is it? I don't know, but he has to meet with us. Paul is now looking, he's reframing his unfair life as that for this reason, I'm gonna speak to, why would it be significant to speak to the Jews in Rome? I don't know if you realize this or not, but Rome would become the center of the whole world. And the Jewish leaders in Rome didn't have a bad taste in their mouth for the gospel yet. All they'd heard was it's been spoken poorly about. So look at what it says. When they had appointed a day, they came to his lodging in greater numbers. And from morning till evening, faithfulness when it's not fair, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses. He's going back. He's like, okay, turn in your Bibles to Genesis. Oh man, fresh audience. You remember when in Genesis three, when Adam and Eve sinned and God said, through the seed of this woman, I'm gonna save the whole world. That's Jesus. Hey, turn over with me to Exodus chapter three. You remember when God called Moses and Paul just starts preaching wackadoo sermons in chains in his own jail cell going, the audience is coming to me. This is amazing because when you're faithful to God, when it's not fair, there's favor on your life and God will give you opportunities to do something great for him. But you gotta decide, I'm gonna be faithful to God when it's hard, when it doesn't make sense. I'm not gonna throw my hands up and cast God out to the side because my day was tough. I'm gonna be faithful to God. He goes, turn with me to Isaiah chapter six. Oh my gosh, you guys have never heard this. You've not connected the dots. That Isaiah six, that Isaiah 53, that's all about Jesus. Trying to convince them about Jesus. Notice Paul didn't make it about himself. By the way, the very same thing that Paul was preaching is what Jesus preached. In Matthew four, he got baptized and he goes in the wilderness for 40 days and Jesus comes back right before his Sermon on the Mount. It says, and Jesus went everywhere proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Hey, be faithful to what God's faithful about. Talk about Jesus. Talk about the kingdom of God. Are y'all hearing me today? Now watch what he does. Notice he's faithful when it's unfair. He's in prison wearing chains preaching the gospel. I don't know how hard your days are these, time, these days, but how strong is your faithfulness? I've not been in prison for three years, shipwrecked and snake bitten, beaten multiple times and still come across faithful to God. Like I get, you know, I have down days when people don't like a post on Instagram. And I'm like, Lord, what's the point? Oh God, smite me now, almighty smiter. I mean, we're so petty. Or I have things that I'm, I'm mad at God about because someone died in my family that I was close to or somebody walked out on me or somebody hurt me. I've never been hurt like Paul. And he was way more faithful to the main thing, man. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And notice how he started. Testifying to them of the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus from where? His own intellect? From what? The law of Moses and the prophets. What's that called? Your Bible. God's word still speaks even today. Paul didn't try to reason with them with earthly logic. Paul didn't just try to persuade them with some uh, stoic philosopher language. He didn't just try to outwit them. Paul went to the word. 
And I wanna encourage you to know the word of God still speaks. He starts convincing them by the law of Moses, by the prophets of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Nahum, all the prophets. He's, he's expounding from morning till night all about Jesus. And look what it says in verse 24. Some of these guys were convinced by what he said. In other words, some people got saved that day, but others disbelieved. Listen, you be faithful to God and let God deal with people's lives, right? Some of us are like, well, I tried tell the gospel. I don't know why y'all talk like this in my head. I tried to tell the gospel and they never listen. And you know, what's the point? You stay faithful to God. You let God change people's hearts. Now watch this. Some of them were convinced. Some disbelieved. Now watch this. Now they start arguing. Disbelieving among themselves, they departed after Paul made this one statement. Watch this statement from Paul. After all of this teaching, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through the prophet Isaiah, here's what he's saying. God was right when he said, one of the reasons you need to know the word and live by the word and share the word is he gives you the authority to speak for God. And Paul didn't just say, hey, quit arguing and listen to me. He goes, God was right when he said this. Stand on the word, why? Because it still speaks today. Did you know the word of God speaks to every issue that we face in our culture today? But we live in a world with so many other words and so many other opinions and so many feelings that we've stopped letting the Holy Spirit be right when he said. Paul stands on the word of God, even though they're arguing, he doesn't try to stop their arguments or try to make them all get along. He said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to you, listen, be bold with God's word. God's word is great and powerful and alive and effective for your life. Notice Paul is in the Old Testament. He's speaking from the prophets. He's speaking from the law and he's making the transition to Jesus. Following the law doesn't mean you follow Jesus. Seeing the law completed in Jesus helps you follow Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's gonna pull an old quote from prophet Isaiah. Why? Because his words aren't nearly as powerful as what God is already saying. Listen, I wanna encourage you all to be a student of God's word. Read your Bible, do what it says. Read your Bible correctly, read it again. Let the words of God speak to you and be humble enough to let God's word speak through you. His word is alive and let it bring you life. Watch what he quotes. He goes, well, did the Holy Spirit say when he spoke through Isaiah and he quotes Isaiah 6, 9. When God says to Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but you'll never understand. You'll see, but you'll never perceive. For the people's heart has grown dull. Their ears can barely hear and their eyes have closed. Let me just tell you something. Paul in prison, in chains, preaching to a now argumentative group of people. Half have received it, some have rejected it. He goes, you guys are just like God said. You'd see it, not believe it. You'd hear it, not understand it. Your heart, your ears, and your eyes have grown dull. Is that the world we live in or what? Think about the world we live in today. We have so much information. We live with so much content. There's nothing you can't Google to find out more about. We tend to trust without question the latest news cycle, the latest trend on social media, the cut up clips of things that are said in the media. And we just believe stuff blindly. But when we listen, will we listen to the words of Christ, the words of God, the words about Jesus, the truth about salvation, righteousness, wisdom from God on how to live, or does it just become white noise? Anybody hate commercials? Come on now. 
I figure if you pay for cable, you don't need to pay for commercials anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should be able to skip all that junk. I hate commercials because they become white noise. I don't need you yelling at me to convince me to wash my clothes with Tide Pods. I know how to wash my clothes. I've been doing it for 43 years. Well, my clothes have been getting washed for 43 years. And I don't need you to show me something and me go, oh, let me change my whole life around some Tide Pods. I don't need you telling me what pills to take with all the side effect warnings. Be cautious when you take this. Side effects could include your eyes popping out of your head, your ears bleeding out into oblivion, but you'll have a happy Tuesday. Like I don't need any help from advertisers. So what I do when ads come on, I'm so thankful for DVR. I'd much rather watch something recorded so I can skip every commercial. Why? Because it becomes white noise. Why? Because I've heard it so much. I'm hearing it without perceiving it. I'm seeing it without wanting it. And that's what happens to many in the church world when we just keep cycling through the behaviors of Christianity without letting God's word speak. How many times have you heard your pastor say? How many times have you heard the verse about? And yet, our eyes are closed, our ears are dull, our heart is not alert. We have to be open. If we're gonna walk with God through the end of our lives, we gotta be open to learn from God. We have to be open to hear something new from God. The God, listen, I love this quote, the God who never changes is always teaching us something new. We got to be open to, listen, take rebuke from the Holy Spirit. We got to be willing to let God's word speak louder than our feelings and our desires and our predispositions. We live in a world today where your feelings and your truth is the, the loudest voice. That is absurd. And the Apostle Paul is dealing with these same guys arguing about the truth of Jesus. And some of them are like, yes, and some of them are fighting. And he goes, man, God said it, and it's still true. You would see and not perceive, hear but not understand. Your heart, ears, and eyes have grown dull and closed. Man, if we're going to make it through the end, we have to stay teachable. We have to stay hungry from the word of God. We have to be correctable. Listen. When your pastor, let me just, I'm not trying to make this about me at all, but when your pastor brings a word to you, you gotta know it's been prayed over. We've sought the Lord about this. And we don't just come up here to tell you stuff that we think we like to hear. Any pastor up here has prayed through, God, what would you say to your church? So when you come into a church service, whether it's here or your, your home church, if you're visiting, whatever, you need to say, Lord, what do you wanna say to me today? And then let God say it, even if it disrupts your life. Otherwise, we have tons of information without transformation. We'll hear and never understand. We'll see without perceiving what we're looking at. We'll have so much info in our church that we hear it without listening. Here, here's one of the great ways to know if you're listening. Can you look back over the last year and say, God really changed my life last year. God really transformed me through speaking, through his word, through my pastor, through my small group leader in prayer? Or do you look back at the last year with regret going, I didn't make room for God to change me at all? Notice the warning. He says that hearts and ears and eyes will grow dull or close. I want you to understand this. God is always speaking. The question is not if God's speaking. The question is, are we listening? He will speak as you read his word, God will speak to you by his spirit in prayer. 
God will speak through your pastor, through your small group leader. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is, are we listening? Now look what he promises if we'll listen. He, he quotes this Isaiah text from Isaiah 6. You'll hear but not understand, see but not perceive, your hearts will grow dull, your ears will barely hear, your eyes have been closed. And then Paul comes out of the text, he said, lest or for fear that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn or repent, turn to God. And God says, and I would heal them, I'd save them, I'd change their lives, I'd set them free. When we turn our attention to God, look at this. He transforms us, he heals us, he saves us, he delivers us. You have to believe God's words have immense power to change us, but we've gotta listen and perceive and understand and hear and see what God is trying to tell us. So Paul gave this interesting pushback to the Jewish leaders and he did it all in the power of the word. And to those who refuse to listen, he says in verse 28, therefore let it be known to you, remember they're arguing, some accepted it and some fought about it. And he goes, man, God has said you wouldn't listen. So look what he says. He's come out of the Isaiah quote and he said, therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has now been sent to the Gentiles. Why? Because they'll listen. I don't wanna ever be a man who stands before God one day and him say, I tried to tell you for 50 years, but I had to tell your kids and your neighbors and somebody else because you wouldn't listen. God is speaking, we must be listening. And listening not only means I believe it, but I receive it and it changes my life. Are you hearing me, everybody? Do you approach the word that way? When you get in your prayer closet, you're getting the Bible, when you come to hear a sermon, you go, Lord, what do you wanna say to me and how do you wanna change me? He's speaking and he will be heard. If we reject God's word, he's not gonna stop talking. He'll just talk to somebody else who will listen. I don't wanna live with regret of I wish I listened to God earlier. I wish I listened to God about tithing. I wish I listened to God about serving others and finding fulfillment in serving others. I wish I listened to God about faithfulness to God. So if we're gonna walk with God till the very end, like Paul, we gotta to commit to being faithful when it's not fair. We gotta discipline ourselves to listen to God when he's speaking. And finally, and this is where I'm gonna close, I gotta finish in five minutes. We gotta realize that finishing well takes commitment to something bigger than you. How many of you soldiers know the adage, like you're, you're, you're in an army of one, but you're, you exist to, to move the mission of something greater than you. You didn't just join the army to get in shape. You joined the army to defend and protect our nation and our constitution and, and, and people. You joined the army for something way greater than you. And part of finishing well in the army, what, what, what career soldiers have, have taught me is they understand that the mission, the big picture is way greater than the part that I play in it. And if you're gonna serve God till the end, you gotta realize that you're serving something bigger than you. I want you to understand the same church that the apostle Paul started is the church we're still starting. That's why we're building on Tiny Town. That's why we're starting Hope Center. That's why we help church planters because the same church that God was starting then is the church that God is still restarting today. And we're part of something bigger. And we're gonna be faithful to God because it, even though it's bigger than us, even though it may not benefit us right now. Look at the last two verses of the book of Acts as it talks about Paul's life. You'd think the finale would be him getting like fully expunged of all the charges and he gets a mansion and he gets a car and he gets a wife and kids running around and, and it's just like Jason Bourne. Everything's back to normal. 
the last two things we see about Paul's life in this narrative. So he lived in Rome now for two years at his own expense. Paul was brought as a prisoner and now he stays not as a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of Jesus. He goes, I'm here on assignment now. And he raises money to get his own apartment and he welcomes everyone who comes to him doing the same thing Jesus did, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Watch this, teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and now without hindrance. Paul never said, finally, I'm free. I'm gonna go get a beach house and lick my wounds and never talk to anybody again. Paul in his freedom was just as captive to the mission of God as he was in chains because Paul was about something bigger than himself. Paul was about building God's house. He stayed in Rome and would lay a foundation for the church that would come bigger and later than his own life. Jerusalem is not the seat of the church of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you realize this or not, but for the next several centuries, Rome would become the seat of the church of Jesus. All my former Catholics in the room know what I'm talking about. As the Roman empire would advance, it would become in the fourth century, the Holy Roman empire, because Constantine would embrace Christ and the church. And without all the historical layers of that craziness, Paul's influence in Rome outlasted his time in Rome. And he opened his house to say, everyone that can come, come hear this gospel of Jesus. And he faithfully taught it because he was a part of something bigger than himself. In Acts 1.8, the very beginning of our series, I preached to you how Jesus commissioned the disciples and said, you'll receive power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Paul, check. In Judea and Samaria, that's Caesarea, that's Tiberias, check. And now to the ends of the earth. Paul didn't have to travel the world. The Roman church traveled the world, but it started from his teaching in Rome. To the ends of the earth. By Paul getting to Rome, by Paul submitting to doing hard things, by Paul trusting God and being faithful through unfair seasons, Paul would have the opportunity to preach in the most influential capital city in the world. And the spread of the Roman Empire would ultimately spread the church to the ends of the world. For Paul, it was way more about what was to come in God's kingdom than what it meant for him to now move to Rome. Are you hearing what I'm saying, everybody? If we're gonna walk with God through the end, we gotta remember we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're not about what's fair to us. We're not about getting our own way. We're about making much of Jesus. The reason God gave you that home is not just for you to enjoy, but maybe open it up as a small group. The reason God gave you that job is to leverage your influence to make a difference in the lives of others. The reason God gave you children is not just to mow your grass, but to raise up young disciples of Jesus to change their world. He stayed another two years, paid his own way to commit to building something bigger than himself and proclaim the kingdom like Jesus said in, John, in Matthew 4. He preached and he taught about Jesus. Part of walking with God through the end is remembering we serve a big God with a big kingdom and his way is bigger than simply building our own life with Jesus in the middle. If we're gonna be faithful to God to the end, we have to remember his eternal family and his eternal objective. There's an old Greek proverb that says, a society grows when old men plant trees whose shade they'll never sit under. That's why we're building a church on Tiny Town Road. Some of you may never go to that campus, but you'll give to it because you're gonna build and plant trees in shade you may never sit under. 
That's why we raise up kids to serve God. That's why we serve at the Hope Center. That's why we give the way we give because we're part of building something greater and planting seeds that will harvest in another generation. His being in Rome wasn't about him. Your walking through pain isn't about you. You're walking through unfairness and going through some craziness and, and, and living that life that you've lived. Man, if you let God have it, he will make it all about him and about building his kingdom forever. While in Rome, Paul not only preached the gospel, but he wrote letters like uh, Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, which we're gonna preach through in this summer. First and second Timothy in his letter to Titus. How amazing that Paul would be building his church from a city he was brought to as a prisoner that he would then later pay his own way to build the church. I wanna challenge you in these ways to think and live and lead your wife with the life with the end in mind. Consider every area of your life, how you wanna finish well with the Lord. In your marriage, I have a goal of it lasting forever. There's no quit in us. We have hard times, we have pain. She won't listen. I just, it all the time. It's not true, it's always me. But one thing we're committed to is we're gonna make it forever together. In your career, whatever plans you wanna develop and advance in, keep the end in mind and work backwards. As a student or young adult, like this is so, such a foreign concept, but think with the end of your career in mind, not just where you are today. When you think larger than today and bigger picture than yourself, we can belong to something greater. Remember the quote I shared at the beginning. I wish there was a way to know when you're in the good old days before you actually have left them. You're in the good old days of serving Jesus. Build your life on serving and following and faithfully belonging to Jesus. Be faithful to God when it's unfair. Let God's word speak powerfully in you and through you and commit to being part of something bigger than yourself. Lord God, we love you and thank you for this series in the book of Acts. We thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching us through the Apostle Paul's life. We thank you, Lord that we can learn from him to give our whole life to Jesus, to not let anything come in the way of us making a difference for the Lord, that God, we would share our faith with others, that we would give more generously than ever before, that we would preach the gospel to friends and coworkers and enemies and neighbors and family members. God, that we would invite people to be a part of your church. Lord, that we would serve the King of Kings and belong to a mighty kingdom for his namesake. God, that we would walk with you forever, building a future life in today's living. God, we thank you that we won't bypass this life with dull eyes and ears and hearts. Lord, we would be passionately committed to living in a way that pleases you every day. Thank you, Lord, that we can build our life on Jesus Christ. And we commit today like the Apostle Paul. We want to be found at the finish line, simply not winning, but being faithful. We wanna be found faithful to the mission, faithful to you, faithful to the gospel, faithful to devotion to Jesus. So God, I pray that over your church, that would be our desire and you would help us do it. Could you open your hands and just pray this with me to the Lord? Come on. I'm sorry we went a little long, but I wanna pray this over you. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, that he raised from the dead to give me eternal life. I believe he loves me. I believe you long for me to be close to you, to live for you, to live with you. As hard as this world is, God, I will be faithful to you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to live on mission and faithful to you all the days of my life. To God be the glory. And I pray it in me to say, God, I'm all in. I belong to you. My life is in your hands. To God be the glory. Find me faithful in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody.